All right, everybody, welcome back into the Van Cab. We are your five hole fantasy hockey taxi squad podcast. We are back tonight on Monday, January 22nd for your week 15 quick fares. We've got a juicy one for you, so why don't we strap in? Maddie K, why don't you start up those fares tonight and let's get into it. everybody thank you once again for joining us we are your five hole fantasy hockey taxi squad we are back tonight once again for your week 15 quick fares we've got a little bit of an exciting topic to discuss with you in i guess in honor or in awe of the upcoming nhl all-star break we are going to do our rendition of the 2023-2024 taxi squad deep cuts all-star selections we will get into it into a little bit uh, deeper on the criteria of those selections but we've got a handful of forwards and d and goalies that the team here at the taxi squad has picked for our inaugural mid-season all-star selection from the taxi squad perspective but as usual we are your hosts on quick fares craig maddie k and joe oh Jay's not here. No, nope. it's oh. Alan warming up Jay's seat on Quick Fares with us, with myself and Maddie K. Welcome, boys. Welcome back to the pod, Alan. I don't think you and I have done a Quick Fares together, oh. so this is exciting time. No. So, Alan and me on Quick Fares for the first time together. So, what's going on, boys? Welcome back to the pod. How are you on this fine Monday evening? Still fighting the flu. That's why I got the uh, the little window rolled up in the the van cap. For, that that would be the partition, Alan. Right? Is that the partition? Yeah. Uh, Alan For Alan asked us to days. crank the heat and roll up all the windows in the partition so he could sweat it out in the in the van cab tonight. So great to be back, fellas. This is awesome. I mean, we came screaming out of the gates here. I know there's only five or six games being played tonight, but what are we looking at? Ten on the board right now in Vegas and the Jersey game, and they're not even done oh, yet. My. So everybody's what's matchups are coming screaming out of the gates this week. Yeah, what's goalies and what's defense, apparently, and what are supposed to be two of the top teams in the league? I know the Devils have not been that at all, but goddamn, no wonder everybody thought Nico Dawes was going to steal the net from Vanacek. I don't think Vanacek started in five games, and he's just getting obliterated. And Thompson, good on you, bud. Way to steal the net from Hill. Well, Hill's been out for like two months. Good stuff. But yes, we are here, as I said, for our week 15 quick fares. So why don't I jump into the driver's seat here and we'll take uh, the listeners around the league with a little bit of news and notes and injuries. And as uh, always, we start in the infirmary. And boys, this is probably like the first time it's been this short. And there's actually some promising stuff in here. Owen Tippett. Uh, he's day-to-day with the Philadelphia Flyers with a lower body injury. He didn't play in Sunday's game. He got hurt in Saturday's game. Uh, kind of sucks, boys. He was heating up. He had six goals and two assists in his last seven games. Looked like he was finally getting into the good books uh, with torts and kind of back into that role that he had last year, late last year, when all those injuries happened in Philly. But I hope Torts doesn't forget about him uh, while he's out. Uh, it doesn't look like That's he's going to be... the only concern, eh? 
there in Philly is that Torts seemed to have a really short memory. I mean, Tippett, though, was doing everything that people who drafted him early uh, in the season, and he wasn't rewarding us early on with the production. The conversion's there now. But yeah, 20 shots in his last three games before going out and actually scored three goals. But where do you get that type of volume? That's Jack Hughes' volume. Yeah, and like, like that's the concern here is I, I really think he has a solidified spot in the top six. But my biggest concern is does he keep the PP1 spot when he comes back? And does the time on ice take a hit when he comes back? Because Torts just, oh yeah, sorry. Owen, you're back. I forgot. I'm going to give Joel Fairby 22 minutes time on ice now and not you. Uh, Alexander Barkov of the Florida Panthers. He's going to miss his third straight game. Well, he did miss his third straight game or he is missing his third straight game tonight with a lower body injury. There appears to be some optimism from the team that he'll be ready to go for Wednesday's game, but that continues to give uh, the likes of Sam Bennett and Anton Lindell uh, a nice little bump for those are that are streaming Florida Panthers this week. I love Barkov as a player. He's a great fantasy asset, but goddamn, every season he runs into, you know, missed opportunity to be the guy he should be, whether that's chasing point per game or 90 points plus. Like he just runs into these two weeks at a time, three weeks at a time out. Even even the, the smaller stints, right? The one, two games, very little notice. You could almost appreciate it more. You know, player we might talk about in a little bit, a, a guy like Wierenski who just has really bad injury luck, but they're legitimate injuries on hard hockey plays that are keeping him out of the lineup four to six weeks. Bones are healing. Tendons are mending back together. And then Barkov, it'll be all of a sudden, you know, you get a late wire notice 30 minutes before the game and, you know, he's out with an illness or a mystery lower body. And it's like two games and then he's back. And it's like, well, what the hell could have kept you out of the lineup for two games where you're just miraculously back and full deployment two days later? I don't know. It's suspect to me. Well, it's just a player that everybody has high hopes for, right? And like you want this guy to be an, the player that all the analytic numbers show is that he could potentially push that 100-point threshold, but you miss, what, 10? Pace to, is the key word. He's a pace warrior. There's a lot of players that are pace warriors. You miss 10 to 15 games a season. Like, good luck getting to that number in reality. And I guess that's a segue right into our next guy who I was everybody thought was going to have a great breakout season after last year. Andrei Svechnikov of the Carolina Hurricanes, he missed yesterday's game versus Minnesota with an upper body injury. I believe he just came back from a lower body injury, if not only just a week and a half ago. Uh, they don't play again till Wednesday, but they play three games in four nights against Boston, New Jersey in a back-to-back. Yeah, I think they have a back-to-back Boston, New Jersey, and then I think their third game in that three and four is a little softer, but that that's a hell of a one too. And again, like was actually looking pretty good from his recent return from injury and now out again. Now, that did give a bump to Martin Natchez over the weekend. He had some actual production for the first time in like a month. A couple other injuries to note before we get to the returns. Nick Schmoltz has missed the last two games of the Arizona Coyotes with an upper body injury. So he's missed three games, I think, since last Thursday. Again, a guy that like always seems to produce when healthy but has a t- troubling time you know the, all these guys seem to be related all of a sudden 
Uh, Schmoltz does nothing peripherally at all, but like he's just a pure points guy. But Keller's having another phen- phenomenal season, and it didn't really seem to be translating to Schmoltz's production overall. Nope. And he's actually been in and out of the lineup several times this season. Uh, so it's certainly limited his ceiling for those that have him. You know, I don't really think he's a huge loss from a fantasy hockey perspective at this point just because of his lack of performance. And you've seen guys like Matias Michelli, uh, that guy with the funny name who has like 17 goals and he only plays t- 10 minutes time on ice. I think his name is like Matthew. Uh, I'm not even a try. Carcone. Carcone. The, the mafia. I was going to say, I think his yeah. name is Matthew, something to do with the Italian mob. Uh, so I didn't want to butcher his name, but Alan helped me out, the Carcone. You know, you've seen the, those young younger players step in. Not that Schmoltz is old, start to have an impact, and how their top six is mixed. Now we get to the good news: the returns. Uh, Josh Norris returned for the Ottawa Senators on Saturday. He played twenty minutes and four seconds total time on ice with one assists, four shots on goal, two hits, and one block. He had similar deployment in their win yesterday. He just didn't have any points. He's back on line one with Brady Kachuk, and uh, right now he's on PP2. I don't really know why, but they are still rolling both power play units kind of 60-40 in terms of their share. So that's maybe why they're trying to spread it around. But Alan and I discussed this last week, I believe, on the weekend preview. Not that he's Timo Meyer light or anything like that, but you come back and your shots on goal rate are solid, and you're hitting again, and you're blocking the puck, that most likely means you're finally at 100%. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who has 35 goal potential. Uh, maybe he doesn't do it this year because of all the injuries, but for him to only be 25% owned, it's just criminally under-rostered, in, in our opinion here at the Taxi Squad, especially with the Sens still have the most games to play in the league. And they actually have played a little bit better, both offensively and defensively over their last four games. So potentially the coaching change is now having some positive impact. looks like they got their full center depth back now that what's his face is eligible to play again. Norris is back. Oh yeah. Pinto back. That's right. Maybe everybody just slotting in where they're supposed to be is going to really do some good for this team. The tiny gambling man, Shane Pinto. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know what? There is a football analogy there too, right? Where you have enough players playing out of position, sooner or later your death starts to bite you, right? And this team is in a, a position they haven't been in, you know, since training camp, really, where they're going to have everybody um, down the middle at their disposal. So maybe that's what turns the tide for Ottawa because God knows they need it. You know, now that I picked up Corpus, he's going to explode. Yes, they can explode. This is what now. Alan does. He picks up bad goalies in the listener league and then all of a sudden they go on this run i said they were gonna maybe win hockey games i never (laughs) said anything about playing defense or being good in in goaltending yeah they win in front of corpus (laughs) allo it'd be great and the boys the boys here at the taxi squad know that i don't like to talk about rumors but it it is interesting the reports out there with chikrin who apparently doesn't want to sign long term anymore in his hometown uh whether those are factual or not yeah that's baffling to me considering the hero's welcome, not 12 calendar months ago with the grandpa and the stands and the videos and the whole thing. I mean, they milked that for everything. And he played really well when he got there, too. If You seemed like this was just a perfect marriage. And then in the offseason, the ownership changes notwithstanding. They hand the young kid the same bag that he had and they got Shabbat back. And I, I don't know, maybe that 
combined with just the team's not going where he wants it to, I still find that really hard to believe. Yeah, look, it's still a rumor. And like like you said, the grandpa and the dad just like bawling their eyes out in his introductory <laughs> game this season. Now all of a sudden you don't want to be there. Be interesting to see if those rumors come to fruition, come trade deadline, but I highly doubt it, man. This guy waited forever to get out of Arizona. He went, he got to an opportunistic spot where he could play in his hometown. Yeah, I know he's waiting for the bag of money. Ottawa has the money. They'll have the cap space to fit him in. Like it, it just seems very far fetched that he's going to push to get out of like, where are you going to go, man? Does he want to be like Ryan O'Rebirth and be like, oh man, I need to go back to a market like St. Louis. Please send me to Nashville. Like that's like well, they one just of the went only through that Debrinket scenario as well. New ownership. I don't think they have any appetite to do anything like that. So hopefully. Personally, I don't think they would have brought him in in the first place if they thought there was any realm of possibilities that they weren't going to be keeping him long term. A couple more returns here, and then I will hand it. Oh, and then we'll go into storylines because there's a couple of juicy ones there. Arturi Lekkanen of the Colorado Avalanche, he's expected to return on Wednesday uh, versus Washington. He's traveling with the team on this road trip. He's removed the non-contact jersey in practice, uh, and I would imagine he's going to be stepping directly into a top six role, potentially on the top power play as well, uh, with Valerina Chushkin still out in the player assistance program. My guess would be it bumps Drewan off that top line. Good riddance. Yeah, bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for your hot streak of, of a week. Perhaps it keeps Colton in that center spot and that top power play unit, but it'll drop Drew and most likely off that power play unit as well and get Lekkanen right in there. Colton's been okay uh, since his bump in deployment, but it's definitely for those that have held on to Lekkanen or if he's available on your waivers, it's time to go get him and activate him because he will be back on <clears> Wednesday. <throat> Yeah, And then another one that caught my surprise this morning and into the afternoon, it has been confirmed by the team, Zach Rowinski. Uh, he is very close to returning, boys, from his ankle injury. He could be back as early as Thursday. And based on some of the practice lines that I've, saw, I've seen, it looks like he's going to be right back in his top pairing, top power play role. Uh, he was just wearing a non-contact jersey uh, in practice today, but he was practicing with the top power play unit uh, at part of practice today. All right, that takes the van cab into storylines uh, that we've seen over the weekend. The first one was in, look, I don't know how this impacts the team overall fantasy-wise, but uh, the Isles made a surprising coaching change on Saturday. So Lane Lambert got fired uh, and Patrick Waugh is now the new New York Islanders coach. So I guess great-grandpa Lou woke up before the weekend and said, oh my God, my team's scoring way too much and they're letting in way too many goals. I need somebody who's going to come in and and pressure them to play more of a defensively sound uh, form of hockey. And, you know, Patrick Waugh, Memorial Cup winner last year, I guess... You know, Lou had had this master plan all along because he always seems to be that GM that likes something shiny from the Habs organization. He always seems to be linked to to those shiny pieces. And here's another one. I'm not really sure what this is going to do, but like only two points back of a wild card spot. They're fourth in the Metro currently uh, after they of their win yesterday, and that was actually Patrick Waugh's first game behind the bench. From my first glance at that game, it didn't look like 
he really changed much in terms of deployment and lines and who was on the top power play, but let's pump the brakes there. It's only his first game. I guarantee you he had very little time with the team over the weekend. He was just put behind the bench. This is definitely something to monitor monitor in in my eyes, boys. I don't know if you agree with me, uh, because if they do kind of pump the brakes on how they've been playing offensively and start to kind of pull back and put some more structure in their defensive play in front of Sorokin and, and Farley when he comes back, this could change the top six deployment and change the time on ice uh, for the likes of Matt Barzell. I don't think Bor Horvat because he's a successful two-way player, but Barzell didn't thrive in a defensive first system over the first little while of his career. So those offensively creative players is somebody something to keep an eye on to see what Lou's kind of mandated Patrick Waugh to do in terms of the change of, of style of play. That has to be coming. You don't do this unless you're changing the style of play. Well, I, I think you do. I mean... The, the days of the Islanders being the defensively tight team of years past are certainly gone. The last couple of years, they've certainly been, you know, more up-tempo um, and allowed a lot more shots as well as taken a lot more shots. But this to me screams more, uh, first of all, classic Lou is very under the radar. I don't think anybody was anticipating this to happen. But more importantly to me, it seems like a general manager that has made the moves they wanted to make in the offseason last year and into this year now looking at a team that's producing they're inconsistent they win a couple they lose a couple they win a couple they lose a couple to me that's a general manager saying i have most of the recipe that i need here i need a different message to get to this team okay other egos aside and lou versus raw i think that probably happens at some point unless was decided you know to figure out how to control that side of him which i highly doubt I agree with you. They've changed their style of play over the last couple of years, but they had an unbelievable season from Sorokin last year, and he has come back down to earth. That's as much to do with it as as their style of play opening up, in my mind. That has nothing to do with coaching. That just has everything to do with a great goalie regressing slightly because uh, he's still very young, right? And it's bound to happen in his development like for him not to sustain the level of play that he had, especially having 60, what did he have? 65 starts last year. Like he ran the kid into the ground, right? Yeah, he like did. I, I, that to me is not coaching. That's, that's player, you know, you know, overuse and maybe not ready for load management. Yeah. There you go. There you <laughs> We're go. Seeing My some favorite more of that topic, right? In the league this year too, right? I mean, look at the minutes that are being played in Colorado right now. And I know some of that's not by choice. I mean, they've, they've been hit with a lot of uh, different reasons why they have to do that, but those miles are going to show up later in the season. You 100%. Know, those, and, and I just, I just can't see any team wanting to play their stud 27 minutes a night stud forward. 29 minutes a night playing Montreal in January. Yeah, 100%. Now, I'm not going to touch on the second point just yet because, honestly, I don't care. You guys can touch on that one once I say it. But the other one is interesting to me because uh, he was really good for about two months, But and I know Alan's going to lo- love this one and laugh about it. But, uh, yeah, Martin Jones, boys, he might be turning into a lemon. He has really put the Leafs goalie goalie situation in a tough spot 
we all know what's happened with uh, Samsonov at this point, other than Samsonov coming off a shutout, if I'm not mistaken, yesterday, which was really weird, uh, but it does not speak volumes for what's been going on with Jones. But over his last five starts, he's given up three or more goals. Uh, He's only won once in that time with no quality starts since January 9th. Look, I'll be the first one to say as a Leafs fan, Personally, I think he's saved the Leafs season without him. Good God, who knows where this team would be because they can't hold leads and apparently like to play from behind more than playing with the lead. I really don't know what they do if Mr. Jones' level of play is uh, diminishing and Samsonov can't shoulder that load before Wall comes back. But again, we just talked about people pressuring or have an opportunity to steal the 1A job and they look like they can do it for a short period of time and then they can't. Well, no, this is just Martin Jones. Like, it's midnight. He is at Pumpkin again. (laughs) He did this with Seattle. He did. I mean, the four straight wins, right, in those starts, uh, I think there was three in a row where he allowed a goal or or less. And then the last five starts have been a complete uh, opposite of that. So we're getting the full Martin Jones experience. The Leafs are getting the full Martin Jones experience. But they, I mean, I don't know. They don't have any answers in the room. I don't know, man. I, I say give, let's, let's give Samsonov another couple starts, man. He did 3 1 against uh, Seattle. I, uh, that's the Carolina plan, right? Like once we've cycled through all the guys because we're upset with them, we claim someone off what, you that, or we recycle through them again. Like, you know what? Maybe we take another look at that Ranta fellow. Look, honestly, it's probably come at the best time for fantasy owners, me included, the the, shit, the shitty level of play because uh, you have the all-star break. You have a week where the Leafs only play twice in a home-and-home against Winnipeg, which I ain't touching with a 10-foot pole with Martin Jones. So you literally gave everybody that owns him an excuse if there was a viable replacement to drop him. But to say the Leafs don't have a goalie situation uh, would be an understatement at this point. And unless you're going to get like an Elvis Merzlikens in the trade deadline or something, I really don't see a viable and a quick solution here, which is which is scary. <laughs> I was about to say Elvis seems like a great match. Like I hear he handles criticism well. <laughs> like he will love well, the media. Attention. Remember, Alan, he's playing with rage now. Okay, so that's gotta mean something. And I looked. Okay, like they have a good schedule this week. They have four games with one off night. So he's most likely going to get three of those four starts. But their schedule this week is horrendous it's all on the road and it's all against big boy teams if i'm he'll, he'll probably go 3-0-1 he's gonna bottle up some of that latvian alchemy magic you were just talking about there and like we said goalies are voodoo i mean this year of any it's like how do you how do you sit confidently and say i could never start this goalie against that team we've seen every combination <laughs> Uh, but I digress. And our last storyline, and it did come up over the weekend. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong. Great. Lifetime story <laughs> movie of the year. Corey Perry signed a one-year $750,000 contract with the Edmonton wow. Oilers. Cool. Thanks. I'm glad that he's back. I don't know. Don't drink too much in the Oilers parties. Try to keep your pants on. What what type of a work can you do where on a Saturday night you do whatever he did, Sunday you're fired and blackballed out of the league, sight on the spot, 
And then you go meet with the commissioner and a month and a half later, if it's even that far, you're seven hundred fifty thousand dollars richer. <laughs> Making three quarters of a mil. It's, uh, again, wild. And chasing a Stanley Cup with how the Oilers winning 13 straight games. Well, no, I was no, going to say. The Corey Perry curse, they're going to make it, but lose. Look, I think from a hockey standpoint, and I'll give credit where credit's due, you're bolstering a bottom six that probably needs bolstering. But like, goddamn, they're not winning with their bottom six. Their top six has just been ridiculous in this 13, this 13 straight games win. Like even, even Fogel is fine contributing. I'm pretty sure he has like 11 points over the 13 games winning. He's McLovin. Yeah, he's just McLovin all, is. all just day. Just retire. Just retire right now, Alan. Like he is just riding high with Dreisaitl and Evander Kane. So like, okay, great. Please, people, don't pick him up. I've seen that question asked in multiple Dude, spots. He's already one of the highest like added players in Yahoo today. I don't know why. He's not going to crack that top six. There's he can't skate with those guys. He can't. Like, there's no way that's happening. He's there for a reason. Grit in the bottom. If somebody steps to McDavid or Dreisaitl, he's going to do Corey Perry things. He's going to say, I'll see you after at the bar. Don't bring your mom. Like, all of those things, right? Ooh. Like uh, Too the, soon. Public service announcement. We know that that story, it was not true or not, not confirmed, but it's a funny joke. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, that does it. The Van Cab has gone around the league. Lots of stuff as always going around. But why don't we dive into this? Why don't we dive into our 2023-2024 Taxi Squad All-Star Selections from a deep cut perspective? So, Matty K, why don't I give it to you to, to take the people through our criteria of selection and give us your forwards that you will be nominating for the Taxi Squad All-Star team. That's right, guys. This was a fun one to prep for. So we were really looking to isolate some players here that have really been fantasy All-Stars for general managers through the first you know, two-thirds of this year, especially as we head into the All-Star game weekend uh, in a couple of weeks. We'll be at week 16, week 17 mark in the season, two-thirds of the way behind us. And we wanted to celebrate some of the players that maybe won't be going to Toronto in a week and a half, but have certainly helped carry their fantasy general managers uh, all the way to the top of the leaderboard. So before we get into our individual all-star selections, we should note that there were some criteria that we implemented around these picks. So what we didn't want was to run out a segment where we spent the entire time pouring over top 30 players that get plenty of airtime on their own. Quite frankly, we wouldn't really be giving the listener much additional value since they're likely quite aware of how good David Pasternak is already. So we opted to exclude any player that had a top 50 preseason ranking using the Yahoo, sorry, the Yahoo ADP rankings as a general barometer. Each individual league is going to have its own settings. So as we progress through the season, we're going to see how those players have moved up or down relative to those preseason markers. But with each one of us being in so many different leagues, each one of those leagues having different scoring settings, anytime we're going to reference a ranking with uh, reference to one of these players, we'll just give you guys a quick note uh, on the type of scoring system that we're referring to. So we're going to come out of the gates with forwards. And my first of two forwards is just an absolute beauty. Uh, center from Minnesota, Joel Erickson Eck. Preseason rank on this guy was 68 across the Yahoo leagues we looked at. 
And then in my uh, exposure specifically, Banger Cats League, he's currently ranked 16th. And in the Cacuffle League, he's ranked 19th. Of note, that 68 ranking we talked about earlier where this guy was drafted, he was being drafted ADP-wise above 100. And that put him around center number 37. So you think center eligible players, 36 people went off the board before Joel Erickson went off the board. So riddle me this. How is a player that's currently on pace for 60 points this year, playing on a team that's 13th in the Western Conference and lost six of its last 10, how is this player inside the top two rounds in basically any scoring format that we looked at? Uh, he's been the literal definition of a diamond in a rough. Joel Eriksson has been a top 25 player all year long. And aside from Kaprizov, when he's been good, he's been and healthy, he's been really good. He's ranked 53rd right now um, and really contributing as of late. There are no other players on that team that are inside the top 125 in scoring. Zuccarello, Boldy, Faber, they're all in the 125 to 150 range. I think Faber is going to dip below that 100 range by the end of the season because he looks like a real stud. But Erickson X has been playing a line two with Boldy and Johansson all year long. He's been on power play one all year long. And the counting stats show a player really exceeding their own benchmarks. So through 45 games, he's got 18 goals on top of 15 assists. Puts him on pace for 60 points, 35 of those being goals, mind you. And he's never exceeded 26 uh, goals in a season before. The big kicker here is his shots on goal are up and they're up significantly. So he's at 3.9 per game. And over context, fellas, the last five years, riding the escalator up in production, 1.6 per game, 2.1 per game, 2.9 per game, 3.1. And this year, jumping again up to 3.9. His hits per game are up at two per game uh, versus 1.5 uh, per game on average. And blocks per game are up as well, too. So you'd think with all of this production happening, this guy must be shooting the lights out to have this type of production. He hasn't. His shooting production is dead on 10%, which is exactly where his career is. The last three-year average is 10.5%. He's 10.3 right now. So this is entirely a volume-driven breakout for him. He's above 20 minutes of time on ice for the first time. And that Minnesota center depth really hasn't stepped up to challenge him in any meaningful way. Um, whether it be Rossi or Hartman, they've had stints up on power play one and up on line one. Uh, nobody's been able to stick. And his rank progression, when we look at where he starts the year, um, 30 days out and 14 days out in terms of how he's doing in our leagues, is just buttery smooth, fellas. We told you rank 23rd season long ranked 31st over the last 30 days, and ranked 8th over the last 14 days. I really can't say enough about this guy, um, other than I wish I drafted him, because I didn't. And I've uh, run up against the GM that has him a couple times now in a few leagues, and just absolutely buries me every week I play against him. And the second forward I'm going to bring up, which largely fits the same category here, he's a centerman as well, New York Rangers, Vincent Trocek. So he started off the year ranked outside the top 100, 107 in those Yahoo rankings. He's currently ranked 40th in my Banger Cats League, and he's ranked 36th in the Keeping Carlson League. He was also drafted very late in terms of centerman, centerman number 46 in terms of ADP taken off the board. Things are finally happened for Vinny Tro and, and the GMs that place their trust in him this year. Uh, shades of his 2017 and 2020 campaigns, where he shot 12 to 13% put up 75 points or paced to 75 points in both of those years. And then immediately followed by two years of about 
60% production. Uh, this year through 45 games, he's got 12 goals, 29 assists, which puts him on a 78-point pace. And he brings the perifs as well, 113 shots, 61 block hits, and 41 blocks. His shots per game are down a tick this year, 2.5 this year versus 2.7 per game last year. Hits are down a little bit, but his blocks per game are up nearly double year over year. And I think that has a lot to do with the amount of shorthanded time he's getting. And, and just generally overall, his time on ice is up over 21 minutes per game, which again is the highest since 2017. He's really been helping in those multi-point games as well. So on top of the 43 points that he has so far this year, 11 games so far this season have been multi-point affairs for Vinny Tro. He's playing on that absolutely dominant line too with Panarin and Lafreniere. Uh, power play one all year long. Vinny Tro's got 29 assists and 23 of them are primary. So you think about that line driving possession. All their on-ice metrics are elite. Panarin's having an insane year. And Vincent Trocek, I mean, his, his expected goals four per 60 is up over half a game this year, which is an absolutely seismic jump year over year. Uh, New York Rangers have the number two power play in the league. They're clipping at over 28%. Uh, Vinny Tro is averaging a power play point every three games he's played. Uh, last year, that was more like one power play point every five games he's played. So that New York power play one lives at the top of the league for expected goals for. We don't expect any changes in his deployment. So just keep riding that amazing deployment and performance with Vinny Tro. Alan, over to you, my man. Yeah, so my first forward is the other Edmonton Reclamation Project, uh, Evander Kane. Left wing, 75% owned. His ADP in Yahoo standards was uh, 115, which <clears throat> can be this can be completely ignored if you don't have any banger weight at all, unless you're, you know, your league's deep enough where a 55-ish point winger is valuable to you. In the listener league, he's currently 36th. At one point, he did peak at 11th and uh, 74th in uh, the keeper league I'm in. This guy, yeah, little to no power play time unless someone like McDavid is out or Hyman. He's looking at about the same point pace as he did last season, about 55 points with one minute less ice time. Still getting about three shots a game, and he's already passed his hit total from last season. Although I guess he, he only played 41 games last season, so he's... Anything he does now is icing on the cake. And the other forward is the man, the myth, the legend, Ryan O'Reilly, center, 70% owned. His point production in 21-22 was 58 points. His uh, point production in 22-23 was 30 points. Yikes. So no one really expected him to do much, especially on a terrible Nashville team. And his ADP of 158 kind of reflected that. But 46 games in. 17 goals, 40 points. Uh, so he's already blown out his uh, last season's total. Uh, his shot percentage still has room to regress some. I think at one point he was like 30%, but now he's at like 15. But versus his career, he's not too much higher. But the big appeal to him this year is no one's coming for his ice time. He's getting a 1955 average this year, up from 1756 last year. His current point pace, 71 points, is his highest since St. Louis. And especially if you're in a face-offs league, the dude is a stud. Uh, but uh, yeah, Craig, it's uh, who are your forwards? Bring, it brings a true tear to my eyes, boys, that we are staying true to the Taxi Squad Foundation. And everybody out there knows our classification of our big boy bangers. But we did have a quick classification that we refer to every once in a while, our big, beautiful forwards. 
and Joel Erickson Eck, the Viking, Vinitro, and Evander Kane all fall directly into that big, beautiful forward category. And it, it just, it's just heartwarming for me, boys, that you stayed true to the taxi squad. And it's, you know, we have also have that stalwart of Rhino Rebirth. It's good to see him make a, an all-star team this year uh, and really, really look like, as you said, the St. Louis Blues of, uh, of old Rhino Rebirth. He just needs to play somewhere where nobody watches Not hockey, Buffalo. right? Yeah. Like, just we don't watch hockey, so you do your thing, man. We'll leave you alone. We won't even recognize you at the coffee shop. But I like I liked the selections. I want to give a shout-out to Vinny Tro because I think I mentioned it on a previous Quick Fairs. I drafted him real late in my home league. I realized after that I had drafted too many centers and not enough right wings. I dropped him. He's top 20 in my home league right now. I did not believe in him after last year's performance, and I should have. So good call there, Matty K. And I'm going to stick right there with you. I've got a big, beautiful winger who has been, quite frankly, unbelievable to start, I guess, the first half of the season. And that is the Calgary Flames' Blake Coleman, center right wing. He's all he's over 80% owned at this point. But his pre-draft ranking boys in Yahoo was 189th overall and 40th at his right wing position. While at the halfway point of the season, he's already blown those rankings out of the water. So from in Cupful, like Matty K is, he's 36th overall in Cupful scoring and 14th overall at his position at right wing. I might as well just walk away and like not say anything else about Blake Coleman at this point because this is a guy who, until more recently, was doing everything at even strength. But I want to give him the props and, and give the of deeper rationale why he's an all-star selection here at the taxi squad this year. You, If you look deeper at the numbers here, he's been one of the hottest players in the league over the last month. In his last five games, he has seven points, including three goals. He is on a 70 point and 36 goal pace, which would all be new career best marks for him by a mile. Like we are talking, he's never scored over 45 points in his career and he's never hit 30 goals. Like he is about to explode his career numbers from a scoring standpoint. Uh, and has essentially been him and Nazem Kadri have been a huge reason why the Calgary Flames have kind of righted those that ship and are starting to be more relevant in the Western Conference over the last month or so. He's pacing for over 200 shots on goal, so averaging around 2.5 shots per game. He's pacing for over 100 hits and 50 blocks, all while seeing his highest time on ice of his career by more than two minutes at almost 17 minutes total time on ice. And under the hood, you know, there's some questions, right? He's <laughs> his shooting percentage right now is well above his career average. It's at 18.6. So you're most likely going to see some regression on the conversion side of things. So that goal pace at that 36 goal pace is probably going to slow. But with the increased time on ice, he is actually on power play one over the last couple of weeks as well. He's not generally a power play player. He usually does most of his production at even strength and doesn't usually see that. But I think it's really reasonable, boys, if he can hold this newfound time on ice and this newfound deployment uh, with Power Play 1, I think you kind of, for those that, I'm going to say it, was Blake Coleman drafted anywhere? 
probably in deep leagues, uh, but I would say probably in at least 90% of redrafts, he was not. So you found a player off waivers. He's going to set new career highs in points, but he could easily hit 60 to 65 points, 25 to 30 goals, easy this season. And you take that to the bank all day with another big, beautiful forward, giving him the honor that is due and now a 2023-2024 All-Star for the taxi squad. That is Big Daddy Coleman. My other forward, I was looking for somebody that looked, you know, a little bit fancier. I wanted a fancier piece. I wanted an offensively gifted breakout player. And there's certainly one out there in Matty Barzell. So his pre-draft from the New York Islanders, uh, his pre-draft ranking was 142nd overall and 58th overall at center, even though he plays right wing now and doesn't play a whole lot of center anymore. Well, at the halfway point of this this season, he's also blown those rankings out of the water. Currently in Kukupful, he's 45th overall in Kukupful scoring and 16th overall at his accurate position being right wing. This is the Matty B boys that fantasy GMs have been waiting for. He's in an actual offensive first system. He's getting bona fide top line minutes. Uh, he has had, he's been one of the most consistent offensive threats this season in fantasy and in real life over his last five games. He has three points, including two points uh, last night in their, in their game and their win. He's currently pacing for 87 points and 22 goals. He has not had this type of production since his 2017-2018 season where he played at a point per game, a very similar uh, finish to his season uh, in that. I believe he had 86 points. Uh, to make even more of a case for his all-star selection, he's, he's on pace to set new career highs for shots on goal. Uh, he'll, he's currently pacing for over 245 shots on goal, which is about averaging about three shots on goal per game this season. Uh, and I think there's even more room to believe that his goal scoring can increase in the second half uh, with his newfound shots on goal rate because his current shooting percentage is only 9.2 uh, compared to his career average of 10.8. I know he's you know a playmaking center or he was a playmaking center, a playmaking forward first and foremost, but with the newfound shots on goal rate, I don't see how his shooting percentage doesn't increase coupled that with he's getting an extra shift per game so he's getting actual increased uh, minutes uh, hovering around 18 minutes 30 seconds time on ice i think 25 to 30 goals is not out of the question to finish off the season and even potentially pushing for 90 points uh, again i we mentioned it and you know i'm glad maddie k walked me off the ledge but it will be interesting to see how the coaching change does impact maddie barzell's output does Patrick Waugh put some handcuffs on his ability to push play and, and generate open space for the likes of Bo Horvat uh, and Brock Nelson, the shooters on the team, just because, you know, Matty B is not known for his defensive prowess. Uh, so does he ne- necessarily see that increased time on ice uh, come down a little bit just because he can be a defensive liability at times, but as long as he can keep up this newfound shot rate, I think, you know, a 25, 30 goal season is not out of the question. And he clearly looks pretty locked in to have at least an 82 point season, if not greater at this point. 
So those are my forwards, boys. Uh, any thoughts on our forward selection, Matty K, before you dive uh, dive into our first taxi squad defensive player? I, I think all those guys hit the mark of, of what we were looking for, where somebody that was maybe drafted a little bit later on and is really delivering, you know, first, second, third round value to your team, uh, depending on the scoring settings that you're in. So I got no issue with any of that. If Blake Coleman wants to shoot at 18%, and play two minutes a night more than he ever has and have an IPP of 80. Like that is fantastic. And I will stay in the flames as long as Blake Coleman's going to do that because we have talked many times on this show trying to time when a player is going to stop being irrationally productive is pretty much impossible. When I was prepping for the show, looking at Blake Coleman specifically, I was mind boggled by those numbers like 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 literally going to blow his career numbers out of this universe and he's like i just look now in practice today he's still getting bottom six deployment and he's not on either power play unit again so he's well so even in tampa he was on that third line that legendary third line with uh yanni gord and uh uh, the Goudreau guy, whatever his name is. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, and they would just, they were beastly because it was just, they were out against these teams' other third lines and they were just a level above them. I can only imagine where the Flames would be without Coleman and Kadri at this point and Sharon Govich, who we're not going to talk about tonight, but goddamn, without those three and an, and a gentleman to be named shortly, uh, the flames might be exactly what we thought they were going to be a dumpster fire, uh, even though they've come back to life over the last three or four weeks. That's a professional tease right there, Craig. The question I I think of the indefinite time period is what do we do with Blake Coleman? Because like I I kind of want to write him, but I've I've tossed out some some just blind trade offers as a, with him in there as a sweetener knowing full well like no one's gonna believe that he's gonna That's be right. a top 50 player the rest of the season well i think out of our selected all-star forwards at this point even with ryan or rebirth i think the guy you can sell high on is is blake coleman depending on the league that you're in uh i personally would hold with with Ryan O'Reilly at this point, like he's going to get 70 plus points, 20 to 25 goals. Like he, especially if you have face-offs in your league, like the guy's a beast. And like you said, what are you replacing him with? Yeah. There's nobody getting his time on ice to challenge him. Yeah. Uh, But Clay Coleman might be somebody you could get just based on rankings in your league scoring to get you something of true value back. Right. Not that I want to sell one of our all-stars, but that is a valid uh, fantasy question, Alan, is what do you do with these guys that have overperformed? Again, same with Joel Erickson. It's not a guy you sell because his peripherals, what are you replacing that with? You know, especially in a bangers cats league, like you're not, you're not finding a replacement for that. Right. And his deployment in terms of power play one is not going anywhere. Like it's, that's not changing, right? It's, it's this Coleman, out-of-body experience that's currently happening that you certainly want to if you're a Coleman owner and you picked him off waivers. Like Maddie said, you ride this as far as you can, but as Alan said, throw some feelers out there. See if he does have any value to some other GMs in your league and see what you can get back for sure, 100%. Right, your market is so small. I mean, we talk about this 
you know, in, in terms of very idealistic ways of valuing these players. The reality is, depending on the size of your league, you're talking about 11, 13, 15 other human beings that you probably know fairly well um, and know your tendencies. And the ability to take a player like Coleman, who is overperforming in all of these areas and try to get some value back for it, I, I think we have to be realistic with what we can move these players for. Um, as well as the fact that most leagues are redraft. So again, you, you do not need to be married to these players. Is this somebody that's going to take you through the playoffs? Is their schedule optimal? Are you going to have them on your roster in week 24? If you're not super confident in that question, start to move. Start to look at opportunities to move those players now, right? It's it's a chess game that's constantly evolving. And it's very rare. It's probably to the detriment of a GM that drafts and and uh picks up waiver wire players well enough early in the season that you get to just ride those players into the playoffs and really not have to tactically adjust a lot because that's not the experience that most people have right and you need to be nimble especially in redraft because you have to have a short memory like a closer in baseball right we got to just on to the next one drop these guys so um we certainly don't want to get value out of what we're getting back and coleman's been awesome for gms uh, to start this year, but I wouldn't exactly hang the phone up if somebody was, you know, waving a little bit of something to to get me to bite on on Coleman. But we've spent enough time talking about forwards. We're going to take a lap through and look at a couple of defensemen here that have really helped fantasy GMs uh, through the first two thirds of this season. And I'm going to take the van cab all the way to Montreal, where we are going to talk about Michael Matheson. He was ranked 280th in the Yahoo internal rankings. So barely, I mean, in a lot of cases, not being picked at all. He's ranked 118 in my Banger Cats League right now. Uh, however, he's ranked 70th in the Keeping Carlson League. And we finally have some quality fantasy relevance in Montreal, aside from the eighth wonder of the world, Goal Caulfield, fellas, the gift that keeps on giving. Michael Matheson. That's for you, Jay. That's, that's for right. you. We know he's listening. 46 games, Michael Matheson really has a premium stat line. Uh, seven goals, 25 assists. He's on a 57-point pace. He was on a 58-point pace last year. So of those 32 points that he's put up, 18 of them are on the power play. So he's chipped in uh, decent peripherals as well, 120 shots, 27 hits, 91 blocks through those 46 games, so almost two blocks a game. For reference, fellas, I'm going to lay out another stat line here for another defender. That looks eerily similar to Michael Matheson. This player has seven goals, 25 assists. They have nine power play points to Matheson's 18. Their perifs are all down a little bit lower, 103 shots, 17 hits, 46 blocks. And the kicker here is they were drafted 10 rounds earlier than Michael Matheson. Any guesses on who I'm talking about, fellas? Is this the, the Snake King, Brent Burns? Very close. No, we got oh. Eric Carlson and his gigantic bag of money that went I was, to Pittsburgh. I was going to say it's got to be one of the Pittsburgh guys, it, but it I is. don't know who it is. <laughs> you know what? The, and, and really, the opportunity cost of taking defensemen early, Dougie Hamilton owners, I, w- I was one of them in Kakupful as well. That was more injury related. But again, like we, we've got a player like Carlson, hasn't missed any games, has just underperformed where people took him from. You're getting the exact same performance from a stat line from a player that was taken 10 rounds after him. Uh, that's how you win drafts, fellas. I didn't even know that Matheson had 18 power play points. And Wild, in my, eh? in my home league, I got him off waivers in week three 
for 12 bucks of, of our fab. And he's, so in my home league, it's goals, assists, points, PIMS, and power play points and shots on goal. He's a top 70 player in my home league. Like it's absurd. Yeah, you never look back. And I, I, I mean, literally. That's so in the listen, the listener league too. Like I took him what 12th round or something. And I'm just like top hundred player on the Habs. Right. Yeah, 12th round. Right. We got nothing invested in this player. And all he's doing is playing 25 minutes a night. Smashing. I mean, he gets all of the, the power play time on that rank 19 power play in Montreal. It's league average or, or very well. Uh, in the middle there, shots on goal per game, pretty steady year over year. Two and a half per game is pretty solid for a defenseman. He leads all defensemen in the NHL in time on ice through 46 games. I mean, under the hood, he's fourth in individual shots for, 11th in individual Corsi for, ninth in expected goals. All count stats, fellas, not rates. Again, he's on the ice for half the game. So he's really doing this at a high level. Uh, his 5v5 shot rate, uh, eight per, 6.8%, which is probably the only advanced metric that's really down for him year over year. His 5v5 shooting percentage last year was up around 8.5%, 9%. I guess it makes sense. Montreal's a pretty brutal Corsi uh, percentage team, and while he's on the ice, they're not much better. So, I, I mean, the 5v5 numbers could stay depressed a little bit longer, but... Fifth round production with a 15th round price tag. Uh, like we said, that's how you win leagues. Now I'm never going to get him from Allen in the listener league. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I Alan. Blew up what, your spot, buddy. That's okay. I know I know. Mike Matheson is one of Allen's boys this season, so it would have been tough sledding anyways. But, uh, Alan, what you got from your defenseman selection, bud? Yeah, for me, um, this is a guy I absolutely hit the snooze button on. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people did because of the team he was on. But Noah Dobson, man, uh, he was going ADP 111. He's currently the third defenseman across Yahoo standard scoring. Currently on nine points in his last six games, and he's currently on an 84-point pace as a defenseman. Yeah, it's going to be a career high in points for him, um, which is totally believable because the team around him is scoring much more. And his ice time has also gone up. He's uh, looking at 25-48 this season. Uh, The only thing I see getting in his way is the coaching change. Yeah, like he's. And, I'm and just I looking now. Can't he's, even see that. Uh, top 30 in our listener league, Alan. So he's 29th in scoring there, and in my home league, where I just said what he's 50th in my home league, like an 84 point pace. That is, that's madness. 21st <laughs> in Kakupful. You see the long. Just crazy. 21st. Man. That's end of the second. And this is like, like you said, this is a guy that like. Like, okay, yeah, he was going to get drafted for sure, but, like, he's way down. As, like, your fourth defenseman. Yeah, he's like, oh, I hope I get – it'd be great to get Dobson at my as my fourth defenseman. Maybe he'll put up 50 points, and he's going to blow 50 points into the sun. <laughs> he's just going to just elevate completely, and it speaks to Barzell, too. Like, right, Barzell's elevated his scoring. Horvat's kind of bounced back to where he was – pre-Islanders, it speaks volumes. But again, to your point, Alan, is this over the next two weeks, you're really going to see the Patrick Waugh effect on this team. Matty K doesn't seem to think it's going to be bad, which is good. But if it does, these are all players from the Islanders, maybe not Dobson, but that you may want to sell high on, especially if deployment or anything gets really impacted. Now, that takes us to my selection for defense. 
And we are going to a five-hole favorite from the from the TJ Zach and Raj vault, I guess, uh, because they mentioned him all the time, and I will refer to him in the same vein. Mackie Weegs, Mackenzie Weeger from the Calgary Flames, has been the fourth player to essentially not only be their most consistent player, but be the savior of their dumpster fire start, uh, along with Coleman, Kadri, and Sharon Govich. But Mackenzie Wieger's pre-draft ranking in Yahoo was 294th and 49th overall at his defensive position. Again, another selection on our part for the Taxi Squad All-Stars where he's just punted his pre-draft rankings directly into the sun. Currently in cupful scoring, he is 50th overall and 8th overall at his de- at his defensive position. Yeah, I mentioned he had a terrible season last year, 100%. But he's now producing at the D-man that he should have been last year. In his last five games, he has three points. Uh, but seriously, like nobody drafted this guy for thinking he was going to put up points. It was all for his peripherals, and those were even down last year. However, maybe we should have considered it to draft him for points as he's currently pacing for 50 points and 18 goals, 10 of which he's already scored. Uh, coupling that with his pacing for 200 shots on goal, so averaging around two and a half shots per game. Like Matty K said, for a defenseman, that's a great number. He's pacing for 135 hits and 207 blocks. So points, goals, blocks time on ice are all pacing for new career highs for Mackenzie Weger uh this season and this is a guy what's 294th 15th round maybe there's there's some leagues that you didn't even get he probably didn't even get drafted you picked him up later for defenseman depth right now his shooting percentage is a bit high but goddamn he's already scored 10 uh, goals like he's it's 8.9 his career average is 5.2 but based on his new what appears to be sustainable time on ice i think what he's doing guys is very very uh realistic and can hold i know they've kind of dabbled with him on the power play he's on the first power play unit which yeah, I think he's been up there him. for a little while yeah, yeah which take is, a look at his so with Couple that with his newfound time on ice this season and now being the power play one quarterback. I think he could push 55, 60 points and very well easily break the 15 goal mark this season, even with that higher shooting percentage uh, that you've seen from him uh, over the first half of the season. Any thoughts, boys? Matty K, what do you think on our defenseman selections before we get into the to the defenders of the twine? Yeah, Weir's been a stud for me. I'm I'm really glad that he's on uh, one of my teams that matters to me. And uh, the big thing with him, like we said, the the shot volume is up. The shooting percentage is a little bit high, but his power play time on ice is basically doubled year over year. So if he stays anywhere near glued to that PP one, um, he's going to be good for you down the stretch. the The thing with him is he brings such a safe floor because of the peripherals that you're able to ride out a, a hotter or cold stretch uh, with a player when you know they're consistently adding value to your roster night in and night out. It's why we joked about 
how difficult it is to hold the the Luke Hughes of the world, the Rob Thomases this year notwithstanding of the world. It's because when they don't do their one thing they do, you know, they bring you nothing. And Uyghur literally never has a night where he's not helping your team. So double negative aside, he's a beauty. I'm glad I own him. I wish I owned him in more leagues. But yeah, me too. I don't have, I only own him in two out of my fifteen. I don't I don't know how that possible. What am I doing? Gotta gotta figure that out. <laughs> All right, Matty K. Let's go into the position I hate the most, but they all deserve recognition on the Taxi Squad All Star team. So, give us your Viking Warrior selection. That's it. Let's finish this off in net, and we are going to go over to Philadelphia because we're going to talk about not Carter Hart. We are going to talk about Samuel Urson, who was ranked 262nd in Yahoo earlier in the season, currently ranked 43rd in my Bangers Cats League. I will tell you his Kakuffle ranking right now is 326th, but that's more of a goalie scoring uh, specific to that league. Uh, still very underweight in that league. It's only five goalies in the top 100, and there's 16 goalies in the top 200. So overall, there's less value to that position. But Urson, through 21 games, he's 12-6-3, He's sporting a 236 GAA. He's got a 909 save percentage and three shutouts. A bit of a deeper dive on the analytics side. He is 15th in the league in Delta Fenwick save percentage, whereas Carter Hart's 32nd. And he is 16th in the league in goal save above expected. Again, Carter Hart, 29th. Those advanced stats are really valuable here because it lets us single out the goalie position and analyze each individual netminder's performance in isolation of the team around them. So on the surface, if you pulled up each one of these guys' Yahoo cards, you'd see one of them's got a 909, one of them's got a 906 on the year. On the surface, it looks pretty even, doesn't it? But in Urson's case, the advanced stats really represent, you know, one half of that strong goalie tandem in Philly. That's really starting to separate in terms of quality as the season rolls on. So since December 1st, he's played in 14 games. He's 8-3-2 over those games with uh, two shutouts, a 2-11 goals against, a 9-23 save percentage. All of those markers are top 6-7 to seven amongst his peers over that period. A true, I mean, fellas, another Aladdin here in, in terms of a diamond in the rough for GMs. Philly just got pasted 7-4 by Colorado on Saturday, and Carter Hart allowed five goals on 15 shots before getting pulled for Urson uh, after the second period, who then in turn, on the second half of the back-to-back, Urson got pulled, um, or sorry, got yanked for Urson. Urson played the back-to-back against Ottawa. He allowed four goals on 33 shots. Not the greatest start, but for him, you could look at that as a bit of an aberration to his recent play. Cart, it looks uh, a little bit more systemic for Carter Hart. Um, early season, and we certainly saw this in Philly, we see those goalie tandems and their deployment being influenced by contracts, dollars, AAV. Whereas as we get later on into the year, the sample size of their own individual play here starts to really make that decision for the team. Carter Hart's an RFA after this year. He's got a $4 million price tag. Samuel Urson is making 850 k this year and just signed a two-year extension for 2.9 mil. That kicks in through 25-26. Philly only has two back-to-backs between week 16 and week 22. So knowing torts, the hot hand's going to roll. That's not a lot of opportunity to split starts. So I like what Urson has been putting down lately, certainly more than Hart. 
and he has been a beauty for fantasy GMs so far. He also has an incredible beard and incredible head of hair as well for for a young stalwart in that. That's where most of his power comes from. Well, it's his Viking power, right? Right. He's, he's here to conquer us, right? Conquer Carter Hart. And really, to Earson's credit, it's essentially been like a 50-50 timeshare anyways, right? Like, they're either going two with Hart, then back to Earson, or or they're going one and one. So there's still value there, especially with that system in front of him, regardless of the back-to-back situation. All right, Alan, who you got? I already know because it has to be your boy. It has to be. Yeah, it's my uh, my zero-G hero so far this season, former Tampa Bay system goalie uh, Connor Ingram. His ADP was 118. Good God. I, beginning of the season, we all thought Veggie was probably kind of the 1A, um, which kind of faded pretty quickly. I think I got in the listener league off waivers. Like he just, I think Jay drafted Veggie and uh, yeah, I just grabbed Connor Ingram when it seemed like, yeah, he's getting the better starts, just not more starts. Um, but in uh, the keeper league I'm in, which has a much more sensible goalie scoring, he is 98th. And in our listener league, he is currently 27th. But yeah, like I said, he took a minute to shake Veggie from the tandem to now he's getting most of the starts through 29 games. He has a 919 save percentage, 249 goals against, uh, 58.6 quality starts on Arizona. On Arizona. And top it all off, five shutouts. Uh, only three goalies I checked today have a higher save percentage on the season. Uh, Hellebuck, Swayman, and Decord, which is really good company to be in, man. He has just been, like I said, my zero-G hero this season. And Connor Ingram, you deserve to be a real-life all-star, so welcome to the Taxi Squad all-star team. You should have been selected. I don't know how you're not, but, you know, Gorgiev plays on the bigger hoopla team of the Avalanche. He's my all-star, and that's what matters. <laughs> yeah, he's your He's your all-star, Alan, and that's what matters. You keep him in your heart and you keep him close, okay? And he's a good Canadian boy, too. I have a soft spot for the Viking boys, but he's a good Canadian boy as well. So now that takes us to our final all-star selection for this season from the Taxi Squad perspective. And he can't say nobody. And I'm not going to say nobody. Even we did I don't have like, to put that in as a caveat. So I, Because everybody knows I don't like talking about goalies, but goddamn... I have to talk about the king of the jungle, the king of the ice from the Detroit Red Wings. I am honored to, to, to select from down in the ashes of a three-headed monster to the bona fide 1A, whether that's due to injury or Optimus Rhyme having squeaky gears, Alex the Lion. He is, I am happy to select him as our final all-star selection uh, from the Taxi Squad perspective for this season. So his pre-draft ranking in Yahoo did not exist. He was <laughs> not inside the top 305 preseason ranking from Yahoo, and he was not inside the top 45 at his position of goalie from Yahoo in the preseason rankings. Well, at halfway point of the season... He is also right up there with Irson and Ingram as a solidified zero G hero G candidate uh, for this season. Uh, but this is a guy that I would guess, man, I'm going to put this number even higher in 97% of leagues. 
in all formats, maybe in Dynasty, he's owned, wasn't drafted. It's actually still only 57% owned, which is insane based on the run that he's been on. But in his last five starts, he has a 924 save percentage, a 248 goals against, three wins, and all five of those starts in that time have been quality starts. He's also started 10 of the last 11 games for the Wings, including seven straight starts before January 14th. On the season, he has 11 wins, a 924 save percentage, 2.47 GAA or goals against average, and 11 out of his 17 starts have been quality starts. So I love him even more. That's 69. Oh, yeah. Percent (sighs) quality start. Boys, if the Lion can keep this up for the Wings and they can hold on to a wildcard spot, which they're currently in the first wildcard spot in the East, and or even push for a top three spot in the Atlantic, only one back of the Leafs who are in third right now, I don't know how he doesn't push Cam Talbot for the Zero G Hero G award at the end of the season. The Lion is just locking it down for the Wings. And this, you know, dude, yeah, I needed to make room in an IR spot and I dropped two. So like, oh, I'm yeah. Like, yeah, I he don't think a... he gets as much run as he did before. I think this has solidified itself pretty well here. I mean, also, too, it's not just the rate stats you were talking about volume wise. This guy's seeing like 30 to 45 shots every night. I mean, Detroit is not exactly protecting him. And so you're I mean, if you're in a league that counts volume as well. I mean, there's game. What do we got? He had a 47 save game against Edmonton, multiple games over 40, almost every game's over 30 in terms of number of saves. He's just doing the thing. In my home league, which is wins, goals against average, save percentage, and shutouts, he's 65th overall ranking. In the Apples and Genos Listener League, uh, he's 158th. So he's doing the thing even in leagues where he doesn't uh where they don't value goalies the same as my home league in terms of the rate stats but to get to your point Matty k with that shot volume that he's seeing he's only given up three or more goals four times in his last 10 starts everything else has been sub three he's closing the door and to allen's detriment probably making the wings what they could have been should have been at the beginning of the season and even while I was thinking about this and a, and a note to the listeners on, on the lion, like he basically saved Florida's season last year. So like the guy's got some skills and he was going into the season as like the third option, probably never going to play. And now all of a sudden he's the one a, this just shows you our continuous conversation about what goalies truly are. Well, is so insane. this is, I think it was 32 thoughts that I, I heard. They said, forget Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon, like the Hart Trophy winner this year is the sub $1 million goalie. 100%. Like how many goalies have saved the team's bacons this season that make league minimum? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it just boggles my mind. Like I have I have Hellebuck in a, in a league and he just laid an egg for the first time in like three months. But like I accidentally, no joke, I missed the dra- the beginning of this draft and I took him. He, it's in a keep three league. I took him with my first round pick and I was like, no, why did I do this? And like there was like, there's some big names that went 
after him and i was just like you idiot but you know i can't blame my kids for that but i will it was bedtime and i forgot that the draft was starting and i had to put my kids to bed so it's their fault we'll leave it at that but so to summarize things and before we sign off we want to make sure that uh, are we officially announce and give you a good summary of our taxi squad 2023-2024 all-star team the unsung heroes of the fantasy hockey season that should be in your hearts and in your minds and absolutely fit the criteria of what we represent here at the five hole taxi squad these are your inaugural taxi squad all-stars at forward, Joel Erickson Eck of the Minnesota Wild, Vinny Tro from the New York Rangers, Evander Kane, the one true big beautiful winger from the Edmonton Oilers, Ryan O'Rebirth from the Nashville Predators, Blake Big Daddy Coleman from the Calgary Flames, and Matty Barzell from the New York Islanders. And on defense, Mike Matheson of the, the Canadian or the Montreal Canadiens, Noah Dobson of the New York Islanders, Mackie Weegs, Mackenzie Weeger of this, the Calgary Flames. And boys, I put an honorable mention in here because I don't think we have, should have an all-star team announced without a top four defensive pairings. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but we should probably get one. So I did an all honorable mention selection to the taxi squad, and I think he fits the bill. And that is Brock Faber of the Minnesota Wild. I certainly think he fits the criteria of what we've discussed tonight. And then in net, defending the crease for this year's Taxi Squad All-Star Team, the Viking Samuel Erson of the Philadelphia Flyers, Allen's boy and yours, the Canadian beef himself, Connor Ingram of the Arizona Coyotes, and last, but finally not least, the bona fide number one from your Detroit Red Wings, Alan, <laughs> the lion himself, the king of the ice, Alex Lyon. I didn't vote for them. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. That is your 2023-2024 Taxi Squad All-Star team we hope you enjoyed that episode we missed jay here of course we wish him well in his travels back home uh, to support his family with a few things and he will be back with us uh, very soon but boys i don't know if you have any closing thoughts here uh, before we sign off and say goodbye to the people uh, but please anything on your mind please uh please let it go you know i wish we were live tonight for the people because alan looks good still in his work clothes looking <laughs> he studly. Is looking good. that's right oh. you know got got clean get the hair memo. collared shirt he's pushing to be in this this a limo cab i heard i heard rumors that this this limo cab taxi squad podcast is is recruiting that was our partition talk from earlier alan was dressed for it no, we got all-star game coming up, fellas. I'm glad we were able to get this one in before we actually hit the weekend. And uh, it should be exciting. Toronto looks like they're putting out a pretty good show there. And uh, I'm a sucker for all-star game. I know you guys, we've, we've been talking about all the ways we can make this game better. Show me an exciting skills competition. They're playing for a bag of dough. Keep me entertained. Oh, I'll be watching, but the jerseys are ugly as 
all sin this year. They're bad. Pizza seven three jerseys. <laughs> they are real bad. Like uh, they look like uh, Pee Wee hockey teams jerseys. It's awesome, but yeah, I'll be watching for sure. You can't beat the skills competition, regardless of it, it being fluffy all uh, over the last you know five to eight years. But that's it, people out there. Thank you for as always for listening and your support through this journey with your taxi squad. Uh, it's always a pleasure to continue to bring you content from the five hole uh, fantasy hockey perspective and the taxi squad perspective. I hope you enjoyed tonight's quick fares. We invite you as always to like subscribe and leave five stars wherever you get your fine podcasts. We also invite you to join us in the five hole fantasy hockey discord it's 2500 plus like-minded fantasy hockey individuals talking all things fantasy hockey and life in general you can find all four taxi squad members in there Uh, we're happy to answer any of your fantasy hockey questions in the discord you can follow all of us on twitter slash x you can find our handles in the show notes Uh, feel free to reach us out to us on that platform as well if you have any questions we're happy to answer them there to help you guys either lock down your wins uh, in week 16 or how you get your bolster your teams uh, in the second half of the season and I guess that's it, boys. Alan, actually, no, Matty K started the fairs, so Matty K has to turn off the fairs for the people so we're not overcharging him for this ride. Matty K, turn off those fairs. Thank you, as always, for listening. Good night, everybody. It's all love. Can't wait to do it again, fellas. Love talking hockey. <laughs>